Welcome to the Wild Wisdom Podcast with Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm Dr. Patricia. This podcast is for people who want to transform their health, restore their hormones, and reconnect to their body's natural wisdom. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia. I'm a Canadian medical doctor, published author, internationally recognized researcher, and passionate advocate for your health. Here, we'll explore the intersection between ancient wisdom and cutting-edge science, distilling the essence of true health into practical steps you can take. Wild wisdom is instinctive knowledge in action. Thanks for making this part of your day. Do you suspect that you have a problem with your hormone balance? Well, did you know that research is showing that inflammation could be at the root cause of hormone conditions that people are suffering around the world? Tune in today because we're going to be talking all about inflammation and its relation to hormone health and what you can do to fix it. Welcome to the Wild Wisdom Show. I'm Dr. Patricia Mills, a holistic medical doctor with a root cause approach to health. And today we're going to be talking about inflammation, a surprising cause of hormone imbalance and what you can do to fix it. So let's just review how you might be experiencing hormone imbalance because you might not be sure if you're having like good hormone health or not, right? And it really depends on where you are in your life stage. So for women, when you're in your menstrual years, you might experience hormone imbalance as problems with your menstruation. So either irregular, too light or too heavy or very, very painful. You might be experiencing problems with your mood, like depression, anxiousness, or irritability around your menstrual cycles, as well as some behavior changes. You might be having infertility, fibroids, endometriosis, polycystic ovarian syndrome, hypo or hyperthyroidism, and sometimes it'll manifest as weight gain. So weight gain can be due to problems with calorie intake, but actually more often than not, it's due to problems with your hormone balance. Uh, if you're having, uh, if you're in the light, the life stage of peri or postmenopause, then it could show up as hot flashes and night sweats that are to, that are excessive, right? I mean, a little hot flash here and there, a little night sweat there, here and there could be normal. But when it starts to get in the way of your quality of life, your comfort with getting out into public or your sleep, then that would be considered to be, in, in my opinion, based on my understanding of menopause and the women that I work with, that would be considered abnormal. It may be common, but it's a sign of hormone imbalance. Also, weight gain in the uh, perimenopausal and postmenopausal years is heavily related to hormone imbalance as well. And some women think that weight gain is, you know, one of those things that just happens as they age and they have to adjust to it. That is not my opinion. It is my opinion, and I have seen this be the case with, again, women that I work with, that so long as you uh, do things to support your hormone balance, you actually can maintain your ideal weight through all of your life stages. Loss of libido can be a sign of hormone imbalance, vaginal dryness, insomnia, irritability, anxiety, and depression. Women in menopause are two to three times more likely to be, to be depressed compared to women pre-menopause. So there is certainly a significant association with hormone imbalance with these conditions. Now, I mentioned that inflammation is now showing up in research quite conclusively as either being 
uh, a causative agent, like a root cause, or a, a factor that perpetuates, like worsens, turns up the volume on the hormone imbalance, so to speak. So what is inflammation? Inflammation is when your body's immune system, so the immune system, we're more familiar with it since COVID, but essentially it's your body's uh, system that, that is activated in order to protect you against foreign invaders like bacteria and viruses, as well as toxins and other irritants, such as an injury. So it could be anything, uh, any irritant like certain foods and drinks. So excess sugar or ultra processed foods are good example, examples of irritants that trigger the immune system. Physical stress, such as not exercising enough or over-exercising or even injury. Uh, lack of sleep is a physical stress that will activate your immune system, cause inflammation. Emotional stress has been proven to cause inflammation by activating the immune system. Toxins, and I mentioned injuries and infections. And what's interesting is that Inflammation, uh, because the immune system is so complex, inflammation can be complex as well. For example, it can be acute. So that common acute means like sudden and short lived. So it comes on suddenly and then it goes away after a short period of time. Um, and that happens, for example, if you cut yourself. So if you have, if you get a cut, or your, the cut gets an infection, the body will mount an immune response. It'll cause inflammation in that area of the cut or infection. And you know it's inflamed because you see redness, swelling, and, and you experience pain. Those are all signs of, of a very acute and visible inflammation on the skin. But you can also have inflammation that's chronic and in the skin that would be like a, a constant infection that doesn't resolve. But internally, that could be inflammation in the gut, for example. So the gut lining can be inflamed and it can be inflamed over years if you continue to expose it to things that cause inflammation like certain ultra processed foods and excess sugar. It can be a very extreme inflammation which would be called high grade, or it can be a low level inflammation, which would be called like a low grade inflammation. So you think the difference between a raging fire in your body versus like a little burn in your body. And of course, a raging fire will cause significant damage over a short period of time, but a low burning fire will cause damage over a long period of time. And that's where that's the kind of damage that we're seeing with things like our lifestyle exposure to certain foods and drinks, our emotional stress, our lack of sleep. So those irritants tend to cause in a chronic low-grade inflammation, whereas an injury or an infection causes an acute high-grade inflammation. And to make things even more interesting, the inflammation can be localized, as in it can involve a specific tissue. Or it can be systemic, as in it can involve many different parts of the body and it can be seen even um, in the blood. So you could do blood work and you would see the inflammation uh, in the blood work. Um, but you could have inflammation like in your ovaries. And so it wouldn't show up in the blood or in other parts of your body. The inflammation would just be in your ovaries. So it can be localized or systemic. Okay, And we're going to go into how does inflammation affect hormone health because you know what is the link between inflammation and hormone health and what's interesting about that is that there's many links and i'm just going to cover one 
to give you a taste of it, to show you that it's possible and that research is uncovering it. And if you're joining me live, please feel free to put in your name and say hi and ask your questions. That is the benefit of joining the free Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills Facebook group. And I look forward to seeing you there if you haven't joined yet. So the inflammatory chemicals. So when you have that inflammation happening, the immune system releases certain chemicals. So those immune cells like a macrophages and monocytes and all the white blood cells that travel around our body as part of the immune system, fighting off infections and um, trying to heal, you know, injuries that are caused, they release uh, chemicals and they also get activated, as I mentioned before, with the physical stress from the foods and the lack of sleep and the type of exercise you're doing and mental stress. So those chemicals get released into the body and they travel around and they are harmful when they are persistent, like they, they occur over long periods of time. They're helpful in a short-term localized setting like a cut or infection, but they are harmful when they start to be, um, you know, that chronic low-grade uh, inflammation. And for example, they found that the inflammatory chemicals will actually interfere with enzymes that make hormones. So enzymes are proteins that work like tools in our body. And of course, in order for your body to um, have hormones, it has to make hormones, right? It has to take the building blocks. Um, for example, it uses cholesterol to make pregnenolone, which then is used to make progesterone and cortisol, testosterone and estrogen. And so if those enzymes are harmed in any way or the activity of those enzymes is affected, you start to get into the realm of hormone imbalance. So if you're making too much cortisol or not enough progesterone or too much testosterone and not enough estrogen or too much estrogen and not enough testosterone, any kind of hormone imbalance can happen depending on what the inflammatory chemicals are doing to those enzymes, how those enzymes are being affected, how is your genetic predisposition to being affected by it, right? How severe is the inflammation? So it can show up in many different ways, which is why you get like a variety of, of people being affected in a variety of different ways, although there are some common conditions that we tend to experience. And that's because in some, uh, and oh, sorry, and what I wanted to say here is that, for example, there's an enzyme called the aromatase enzyme. And uh, women and men start off with testosterone. And in women, um, that testosterone is converted into estrogen. So we, we have more estrogen than men do. Um, and that aromatase enzyme is negatively affected by inflammation markers like um, one of the chemicals is called PGE2, for example, and another one is interleukin-6. So they will go and interfere with that enzyme functioning, right? So that's not good. And that starts to impact your hormone health. And in some hormone imbalance cases, which we're going to cover, I'm going to go through uh, five different kinds of hormone imbalance conditions, some of which you may be familiar with, like PCOS, endometriosis, fibroids, that kind of thing, menopausal disturbances. And some of them will cause inflammation that is low grade, chronic, and uh, involves the whole body. So you could see it on blood work. But in other cases, it can be localized. And in men, it can be localized to the testes, in women, and to the ovaries, fibroids, or endometriosis tissues. So we're going to get into these five hormone imbalances. And the research gives you a few clues 
right, as to why the inflammation is being triggered and why it's causing that hormone imbalance. And I just want to say here hi to Tony Milak. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing that right for joining, saying thank you for all this information. It is my pleasure. Thank you for joining me. And uh, I want to also just acknowledge everybody who joins me live. I really enjoy it, including C.N. Gapoltos saying hello from California. Hi, C.N. Thanks for joining today as well. So we're going to cover the five hormone imbalances. And so the first one, and these are hormone imbalances where research has conclusively shown that there is inflammation going on either locally or systemically that is uh, either caused it or is contributing to it and making the condition worse. So the first one is premenstrual syndrome, PMS, and premenstrual dysphoric disorder, PMDD, and which essentially involves really severe mood and behavior changes just before menstruation, the, the two weeks or days leading up to menstruation. And uh, as you know, premenstrual syndrome is when you also have problems with your, you know, your period, mood, and behavior leading up to and including menstruation. So interestingly, research has shown that women experiencing PMS or PMDD have increased levels of systemic inflammation. These researchers found inflammation in the blood, which means that the, that the inflammatory chemicals were detected in the blood, which means that it's traveling through and affecting the whole body. So that could explain why we're experiencing as women, not just problems with our, our hormone imbalance with respect to the periods themselves, and the cramping and the heaviness or the lightness and irregularity, but also the mood and behavior changes because those inflammatory markers could trans travel up through the blood into the brain and affect the brain. Okay, that is possible, and inflammation does do that. It can also cause over time, like a, a problems with the blood to brain barrier, so like a leaky brain where they start to get inflammation in the brain to the point where they have detected inflammation in the brain of people with conditions like depression. So it's all interconnected, right? That's why I like to call myself holistic. It's looking at the whole picture. And interestingly, the higher the levels of inflammation seen on blood work, the higher the pain and the negative changes in behavior and mood seen in, in the people, who, the women who were um, in these studies. So that is just in incredibly fascinating because I'm going to be talking about like, what do you do with that? So the concept is that if you know that inflammation is um, worsening your condition, whatever you can do to lower your inflammation will also help your condition. That's the reasoning that is very common sense and very logical. And in fact, in some of these conditions, when they have done things to block the inflammation, the condition itself, like the PMS or PMDD, improves. And yes, you could take a medication, an anti-inflammatory pain medication, for example, that blocks inflammation, However, as I've covered in previous um, you know, episodes, that, that uh, medication can cause significant gut harm, gut damage, which then also leads to inflammation over time and hormone imbalance issues over time. So you're temporarily helping inflammation with the medication, but then you're going to be causing damage, which will cause you problems down the road. So for me, in my perspective, it's about natural strategies to decrease inflammation. And this research is simply to increase your awareness around this and motivate you to get interested in decreasing your inflammation with natural strategies. The second condition is fibroids, right? So research is that have, has actually compared um, the fibroid tissue growing out of the uterus compared to normal uterus tissue 
and the fibroid tissue has increased levels of inflammation compared to the normal uterus tissue. So there is inflammation going on in your fibroid if you have it. I used to have PMS and fibroids. And I know in, in retrospect, looking back on myself, this would have been about eight years ago now, I definitely had inflammation. And that was due to my unawareness around how certain foods and drinks and certain behavior, certain stress, exercise and sleep habits that I had was causing inflammation to happen in my body. So this is a big game changer for me. And I hope it's a big game changer for you. The third condition is endometriosis. And research has shown local inflammation to be highly increased in endometriosis tissue. Endometriosis is when the, um, the lining of the uterus, the endometrium, the tissue that is like that lining in the, of the uterus starts to grow in places other than in the lining of the uterus. So it can grow on the outside of the uterus. It can grow on the ovaries. It can grow even into the abdominal cavity, sometimes even into the lung cavity. I've done multiple um, information sessions on endometriosis. And if you go to my YouTube channel and check out the playlist, you will see playlists on fibroids and endometriosis and PCOS for more specific deep dives. But this is really highlighting the role of inflammation and, and how uh, and why, you know, eating an anti-inflammatory diet and taking anti-inflammatory supplements and looking at the you know, lifestyle factors that could be triggering inflammation, like your sleep, your stress, your exercise, you know, your foods, all of those things really help these conditions. And interestingly, in the fibroid tissue, they specifically saw inflammation increasing aromatase activity, which causes testosterone to be converted into estrogen. And the estrogen, the increase in estrogen in the endometriosis tissue causes uh, infl more inflammation to happen. It stimulates the growth of that tissue. And because it causes more inflammation to happen, that then causes this like vicious cycle of inflammation in the tissue. Interestingly, if you look at healthy endometrium, there is zero aromatase activity, like near zero. There is no, no conversion of testosterone to estrogen in normal, healthy endometrial tissue. So this is a very, very deep root cause of endometriosis. Um, we're going to talk about polycystic ovarian disease now, ovarian syndrome, PCOS. And women with PCOS have been demonstrated to have chronic low-grade inflammation when they do specific tests and research. So we're going to talk about, uh, towards the end, what tests can be done with your doctor to detect inflammation. Can it detect it or not? And if so, what tests can be used? And what you'll notice is that in research, they have very powerful tools for detecting inflammation, and they did find low-grade chronic inflammation systemic, because so, it was seen on blood work, in women with PCOS. And the research is pointing its finger at insulin resistance being one of the triggers of inflammation. So insulin resistance is when you have a problem with either you're eating too many foods or drinks or being exposed to certain toxins that are causing your insulin hormone to go up too high too often. Okay. And that can be from a food perspective, like certain foods, like sugar is a big obvious one. And then there's the hidden sugars like um, oat milks. Um, protein bars, you know, they have lots of hidden sugars, even though they're, you think they're healthy, um, they can actually cause insulin resistance in the body. And same thing for fruit smoothies could result in this problem over time. So um, some behaviors that you're engaged in that you think are healthy, and this was my, one of my problems, could actually be causing inflammation through this pathway of insulin resistance. Another interesting avenue that's showing up in research 
of inflammation relating to PCOS is gut inflammation. So they've shown in, in animal uh, and in, in a few human studies, now lots of animal studies actually in cows, which is interesting. And now in some human studies that when you have gut inflammation, the ovaries and the gut are pretty like relatively close together. And uh, they're not exactly sure how this happens, but it might be direct, inf- like a direct effect or an indirect effect where the gut inflammation causes ovary inflammation. So gut health and um, uh, diet obviously are very tightly linked. So whatever you do to improve your diet will improve your insulin resistance and your gut inflammation and your gut health. So clearly that is going to be a big piece of the puzzle for you if you're uh, experiencing PCOS. And we're going to next talk about menopause, like what happens in perimenopause and and postmenopause. And what's interesting about this is that there's a condition called vasomotor symptoms where, and that's the problem with hot flashes and night sweats. So when you have some hot flashes and night sweats during your perimenopause and postmenopausal years, um, that can be normal. Again, I mentioned before, a little bit is okay. There, is, there are fluctuations that we go through when we transition. However, those fluctuations should not be severe, right? It, 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 it would be okay for it to cause like a little bit of hot flashes and night sweats. But I've met women and let me know if this is you too, where it's like the hot flashes and or night sweats are so significant that it actually gets in the way of their quality of life, getting out and enjoying like, you know, being in public or and then sleeping. It can actually interrupt sleep, like making it hard to fall asleep or making it hard to stay asleep. That is not normal. It is common, unfortunately, but that's because hormone imbalance is common these days. And interestingly, there was a study a very, very good quality study. I was really happy to find this one. It was quite eye-opening on 186 peri and postmenopausal women who are experiencing, and, and they, some of them were experiencing hot flashes and night sweats, and some of them were not. So the, the, the researchers divided them up by their experience of hot flashes and night sweats and did blood work, and they looked for inflammation. And they found that the women experiencing these vasomotor symptoms had higher levels of inflammation compared to women who were not. And by the way, they also found that the women with vasomotor symptoms had higher levels of cortisol and a hormone and norepinephrine. And these are hormones connected to the stress response system. So either physical or emotional stress. So, you know, the, the foods that, in, that injure our bodies can cause a physical stress, lack of sleep, um, lack of enough exercise or too much exercise, and then emotional stress, all of those can activate the nervous system to release too much cortisol and epinephrine, and that itself is inflammatory. So high levels of cortisol and, infl- and, and norepinephrine that persist over time um, that are chronic can also cause inflammation. So again, just interesting um, findings that are pointing towards what could be triggering inflammation in these women, right? So then a question that you might have had by now show up for you is, can my doctor detect inflammation on my blood work? So if I were to go to my family doctor or my specialist today, a gynecologist, endocrinologist, uh, and I ask them, you know, I saw this show, you know, this, I saw this information session and I'm wondering if I have inflammation, um, would they be able to detect it? And the answer is sometimes yes and sometimes no. So for example, if the inflammation is localized, like to your ovaries, for example, 
um, they would not be able to necessarily see that on blood work. In the research, they will do things like take biopsies, they'll take little tissues, they'll do a little surgery and take tissues of the gut, of the ovaries, right? And they will test for inflammation using that sample of the tissue. No doctor can do that in part as part of clinical practice. That's considered to be way too invasive and and it's actually not even a, a test that's available to the regular person other than in research studies. Um, and then the other thing is that even if the, 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 uh, the inflammation is systemic, depending on what part of the immune system is activated, it could release chemicals that we can detect in our blood work that, that our doctors can order, or it could be releasing chemicals that we cannot detect on the usual blood work. So for example, high sensitivity CRP. So I'm going to go through a few different um, tests that you can do. Uh, so in research, as I mentioned, they use tissue biopsies and expensive blood work and specialized equipment to do more testing than our doctors can do for us. In clinical practice, you can order uh, a white blood cell count. And if it's increased, some, some types of inflammation will cause the white blood cell count to increase, but some types of inflammation will not. Some types of inflammation will cause high sensitivity CRP or HSCRP to go up. That's a test your, your doctor can order, but some kinds of inflammation will not. Um, some types of inflammation will cause your cholesterol to go up. So actually, a root cause of high cholesterol can be inflammation, not dietary cholesterol, not from eating too much cholesterol. And research is showing, by the way, that only a few people actually get high, high cholesterol from the cholesterol they eat in their diet. Most people are getting high cholesterol from inflammation, which can be from, uh, as I mentioned before, multiple other irritants and triggers like the ultra processed foods, the excess sugar, the physical stress, emotional stress, lack of sleep, exercise, all those sorts of things, right? So um, the, you could, you know, the, the, your doctor can run all these tests and it could come back all positive, uh, sorry, all negative, like you don't have any high, high values, but you could still have inflammation uh, occurring in your body. It's just not detectable on blood work. One analogy I like to use is, for example, let's say that there is, you, you're in a town and the town has roads and then it has warehouses and on the roads are the vehicles transporting the material. And then the, the vehicles go into the warehouses where all the, the work is done. Like that's where all the chemistry happens. Well, the blood work only looks at the roads and what's going on in the roads. It doesn't tell you what's going on in the warehouses. So it might tell you like, you know, and at any given point in time, you may not see anything in the roads, but there's a lot of activity in the warehouses. So blood work, while it is of value, it is of limited value. It, it does not tell you everything. It cannot tell you everything that's going on in your body. So it just it's good to be aware of this. But and I have had some patients of mine who come back with very high HSCRP. And if that happens, um, you know, you usually need to test it again because it increased HCRP and other and, and, and white blood cell count and cholesterol, they can also go up with things like a viral infection or a bacterial infection or overexercising. So you just want to make sure that this isn't just something that's just coming and going. Um, it's the low grade, uh, it's the chronic inflammation that is usually going to cause problems with hormone imbalance. And another thing to, to know is that insulin resistance can cause inflammation. So sometimes um, you may not see um, signs of direct signs of inflammation on blood work, but you might see some indirect signs like insulin resistance. And while very severe insulin resistance is shows up as diabetes, and then your blood work shows you to be pre-diabetic or diabetic, 
mild to moderate insulin resistance won't necessarily show up as a, a change in fasting glucose that you know tips the scale into thinking you're into the diagnosis of prediabetes or diabetes. You could have um, you know a, a fasting glucose that is quote normal and still have insulin resistance. And how can you test for that? There actually is a test you can do where you your doctor can order a fasting glucose and a fasting insulin at the same time and use a calculation called the HOMA-IR, homeostatic model assessment for insulin resistance. And it'll give you a number that will put you on the scale of no insulin resistance, mild, moderate, severe insulin resistance. And again, I have seen people who don't meet the criteria for diabetes yet, but their HOMA-IR score was high indicating they're developing insulin resistance. And typically when you have insulin resistance, you do have inflammation. They do go hand in hand. So if you are watching live, you have any questions lingering, now is the time to put it in the comments because I'm wrapping up and there is a delay in when you put in your questions and when I see it. So please start typing now. I don't want to miss your questions if you have one. So a take-home message is that if you're experiencing hormone imbalance, and at the very beginning, I covered some signs and symptoms of hormone imbalance, and I covered five hormone imbalance conditions. So if you've got any of those, chances are you've got some inflammation going on in your body. And to be very honest, it's very hard these days for people to not have inflammation unless you're intentionally living a, uh, um, a very like a low inflammation lifestyle, which is usually clean whole foods diet, no ultra processed foods if you can help it, low to no alcohol, right? Great sleep. You figured out your stress, right? You, you've learned how to cope with stress. And, you know, the, that's what it takes to, to have little to no inflammation going on. So, you know, I really uh, love it when people ask me questions about this because Cien uh, Gapoltas is saying, do you recommend use of DIM supplement if using, uh, if you have fibroids or if you are using estrogen and progesterone creams. So for those of you who have never heard of a DIM supplement, um, it's a supplement that, if I'm not mistaken, is derived from the brassica family of uh, vegetables. So that's like um, cabbage, um, broccoli, Brussels sprouts. And those foods have very, very powerful natural chemicals in them that help um, regulate our hormone balance through various different mechanisms. And you can for health maintenance, you can eat those foods to help maintain it. But once you enter into states of hormone imbalances, you can actually, you know, you may require increased, um, like a more concentrated dose of um, like indole-3-carbinol and, and uh, DIM, DIM um, supplements to help rebalance your hormones. And the answer to that is, you, if you're going to start doing that, I highly recommend um, connecting with a health professional to guide you, right? Because you want to make sure that you're not just, you know, um, ignoring some root causes that need to be addressed because my experience is that um, while supplements are helpful and I will certainly do um, uh, you know an episode on supplements that reduce inflammation if you don't reduce the root causes if you don't address the root causes it's like putting water on a raging fire it may help put the fire out a little bit but the fire will continue to burn it, and once you stop the supplement if you the root cause is still there the the inflammation will come back so um, I did do a episode and you can check it out on my playlist, my, my fibroid playlist um, in terms of supplements proven to help reduce the size uh, of fibroids and pain associated with fibroids. So I highly recommend checking out that playlist. Um, in terms of estrogen and progesterone creams, 
I am not aware of any contraindications like reasons to not use DIM supplement if using estrogen and progesterone creams. However, I would just um, be aware of like, why are you doing it? What's the purpose of it? And are you living a lifestyle that's supporting hormone health? And is there a need to supplement or not in that case? Okay, so it's a bit of a, a tricky question. I hope I hope the answer helps. Um, you know, and I will be continuing to talk about um, in the next few shows, dietary changes that are helpful, uh, other lifestyle changes that are helpful to reduce inflammation, as well as uh, supplements. And I have your question, a question from Tony, she's asking, for endometriosis, do you recommend just beginning your recommendations on diet and supplements, or doing some kind of test to see where your baseline is? That's a really great question, uh, Tony. In general, what I recommend is that these, um, you know, these shows are educational value, educational purpose. And I really hope that the education motivates people to make changes to their lifestyle, understand supplements better, feel comfortable perhaps with supplements, um, you know, trying them out. And ideally, if you have a medical condition, you're also, in addition to that, working with a health professional and doing the tests that are that are recognized by health professionals as being necessary and helpful in these conditions. So it's not a question of either or, it's a question of both. Um, and so, and a, a healthcare is, your healthcare requires a team approach. And I'd like to consider myself as, you know, a public educator that is an, a very valuable addition to your healthcare team in that way as a public educator so that you feel empowered to do things for yourself and to promote your health in a, in a safe and healthy way with your healthcare team aligned. So ideally, you do have people on your healthcare team like health professionals. And, you know, when it comes to hormone balance, uh, the health professionals that will probably make the biggest difference for you will be functional medicine trained doctors and naturopathic doctors who understand the concept of needing to address the root cause. Um, and I like that you mentioned recommendations on diet and supplements because some people are like, oh, should I just take your supplements? And I would say, no, just taking supplements will not get you to where you want to be. So where you want to be is you want to be at the place where you've made lifestyle modifications that address the root causes of things like inflammation, including the right nutrition, the right exercise, not too much, not too little the right stress response. And that might look like, you know, incorporating things that work for you, like meditation, breath work, therapy, psychotherapy, whatever works for you. I found what works for me and you need to find what works for you. Um, prioritizing sleep is hugely important for inflammation and addressing exposure to toxins. And in very rare cases, but I just didn't want to leave this out, hidden infections can also be a perpetuating cause, right? So that's where ideally you, uh, you know, you learn and you follow and you, and you, and you try out things and see what works for you, right? In terms of the education that you get from myself and various other people who are doing this service as public educators. And then you're also working with a health professional who can do the testing. And I do think that doing some baseline testing can be very useful even if it shows up normal, now you're empowered and knowledgeable to know be just because it's normal doesn't mean you don't do the lifestyle modifications. I see people in this like um, this zone of this gray zone of paralysis where they, they know they're not doing well. They may or may not have a diagnosis and yet their blood work looks like, oh, okay, quote unquote. And so, you know, their doctor may tell them like, oh, well, your blood work is fine. You know, this is normal or this is aging. 
Well, I don't believe that to be true. Okay. My, my experience uh, with my patients and from the research that I've seen is that our um, current investigations in terms of blood work and imaging, MRI, even ultrasound, CT scans, you know, I've worked with all of those modalities. And while it's so such an improvement over what we used to have, right, it's not the end all and be all. It cannot detect everything. So the what matters most is what your body is telling you. And if your body is telling you that it is not doing well, it's got those signs of hormone imbalance, inflammation, problems with gut health, then you need to take action. And the action lies in your lifestyle. And that it can be hard. It's hard because it's not going to be a pill. It's not going to be one supplement or even a number of supplements. It's going to be the foundational lifestyle, right? And then you might add on supplements or you might add on medication to help the symptoms so you have the energy and, you know, the concentration to do the work um, or the supplements to help catalyze healing and make the healing faster, the recovery faster. But what you want in the end is to have your foundational health just so strong and firm and one day you'll be able to step away from that medication or reduce the dose of the medication or step away from the supplements or use them less frequently or only use them as needed, right? So I, I hope that you stay tuned for, for additional episodes where I will be covering those lifestyle modifications, okay? And listen, if you're watching me live, I want to give you a real heads up here, or if you're catching this um, in January 2024 or in other Januarys, I'm offering a, uh, once, once a year, I offer a uh, health promotion, a hormone and gut health promotion program called Body Wisdom. It's coming up. I started on January 31st and it runs for uh, four months and we cover four foundational steps um, to get your gut and hormone health like really optimized. We do blood sugar monitoring we, we, in order to really address that insulin resistance. We do elimination diet to get that food, that personalized nutrition for you. Um, I wasn't going to mention this, but I feel called to mention it right now for some reason. So if you're listening to this and you're just super stoked that you have an opportunity to work live with me, because it's me delivering the program over four months. So it's a doctor-led health promotion program. I only offer two health promotion programs a year. This is my signature program. I only offer it uh, once a year or so, and I only have 20 spots, by the way, because I'm, I get very focused on the people who participate. So if you're interested, I will add the link for the information page in the show notes, and you can check it out. If you're catching this some other time of the year, you can put yourself on the wait list. People who put themselves on the wait list get first priority to sign up. So sometimes the program is full just from the wait list. So heads up on that. I hope you found this useful. Um, continue to let me know if you have questions in the comments and I look forward to seeing you next week and I will uh, see you soon and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, evening or night. If you found this helpful, if you found this information helpful, please share this. Uh, sharing is caring. Other people need to know about this. It's life changing for some people and it can be just, that's exactly why I do this is to help people feel better and be better um, and subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. I look forward to seeing you next week. Bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, Wild Wisdom with Dr. Patricia Mills. If you like this podcast, please take the time to like and subscribe and please feel free to leave any comments and look below for the contact information if you want to connect with me directly. Thank you and I hope you have a wonderful day, evening or night. 
everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for a professional care doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for help in your journey, it is important that you seek out a qualified health practitioner. If you would like to work with Dr. Patricia for her expert health transformation guidance, please email her at info at drpatriciamills.com to book a discovery call. You can also find Dr. Patricia on Instagram at Dr. Patricia Mills and Facebook at Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. For access to all of Dr. Patricia's educational videos and more amazing perks, consider becoming a Patreon member. Links are in the description of this episode. It is important to have an expert in your corner that can help you make the changes you crave, especially when it comes to your health. 